Welcome to Postcards from the Bush with Robin McConkie. It's a podcast about the nuts and bolts of life in rural Australia. The good, the bad and the beautiful. Jeff Lehman was born at Casino in New South Wales in the early 40s. He was the second of six children to Reg and Sadie. At 17, Jeff was the youngest cattle auctioneer in New South Wales. Over the years, he built up his livestock agency, travelled 135,000 miles per year and was selling more cattle than any other single agent in Australia. Jeff was astute. He did his homework, knew the market and loved cutting a deal, whether it was trading in livestock or buying and selling property. Jeff married Gillian Anderson, a Kyogre girl, in 1969. They married at Casino and moved to Mwilambar, where Jeff had his own agency. They had four children and formed a really strong team. Jeff was travelling a lot, but in 1979 they moved to Toowoomba, and then in the 1990s they left the agency business and started into motels. My name is Robin McConkie, and it was a pleasure to speak to Jeff as he approached his 80th birthday. Jeffrey Reginald Lehman, born in the Casino, 19th of the 2nd, 1943. What was life like growing up in, in Casino as a kid? When I was 11 year old, I went to boarding school. And you won an agricultural scholarship to go there? Mm-hmm. And they used to make us milk, milk the cows at 4 o'clock in the morning, <laughs> and again in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah, great time. Yeah, the, the, all the uh, vegetable gardens, the poultry, piggery, hay sheds. Oh, like we slept to do all the work. So, how did you get in, into the stock and station agents game? Well, my father was already in it. He's already in the you know, stock and station agent, and I just followed it, followed, followed along. So I come home at fifteen, at seventeen, I was the youngest auctioneer. Right, next bit of kettle. Here we go. What can we have here? Well, you get that $250, 250 somewhere, 200 200 yes, 200 look at 200 205 5 10 15 15 215 215 20 20 225 5 5 25 30 30 35 35 $235, 35 35 well, first, second, third, last time, $235, bang, sold. Thanks, Jeff Lehman. You're a good auctioneer. How old were you when you, fir- you did your first auction? Oh, I was 17. What did it feel like that first day? Can you remember? No, it, was, it felt great. Yeah. <laughs> it got, got over and done with and then and never stopped after that. Just yeah. day after day after day after day. In a busy week, tell us about where you'd be and what you'd be auctioning. Well, on, on Monday we used to do pigs and calves. Tuesday was cattle. Uh, Wednesday was cattle. Thursday was um, calves and pigs. Friday be, could be a clearing sale, could be an auction of a, a property. Tell me about the story when you went to Victoria in, when you were only 17. We dis- discussed with a, uh, one of the new, new guy that was on the job and we discussed about, he t- said they're, they're wanting cattle down in, in Victoria. So I said, well, let's, let's go down and sort of see what we can get. And we did. I took control of the car to Newcastle. Yeah. I took the car over there because he, he, wouldn't, he was frightened to drive in the, in the city. <laughs> <laughs> through to Sydney, through, right through down to Melbourne, uh, out to Geelong, all over the place. 
And what were you doing down there? Going to the cattle sales and, and giving people lists of the cattle that we had for sale. And then when we got back, there's people there wanting to come up and buy cattle. I had one young fellow, Kevin Hood, and he bought 1,200 head of cattle off me. And we sold 20,000 in about three months. What did you learn in that experience? Oh, I mean, how to make money. <laughs> it wasn't hard. And are you getting a decent wage from your dad? Yeah, promised a lot, but never got it all. <laughs> <laughs> the, the firm would get all the commission till, till I got out on my own. Then I started yeah, making, making money. Then. When did you get out on your own, Jeff? Oh, well, when I went on the Mullumba. There's another agent there. I went over and he, he was selling about 20 head of cattle a day. That was it. Once I started up, actually, we were getting two and 300. So, What did you do to, to I, boost I, that up? I kept bringing buyers in and I'd, I'd go and see the people out in, in, the, in the country and talk to them and explain it all to them. I was bringing... Victorians up and, and taking them over there and buying cattle on the property or whatever, and, and uh, they, they'd give me all their other business then. But it was more than that. I think you got into real estate at one stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah I sold a lot of properties. I had one stage of the game there. I, I had a guy come in and, on, on the Monday and took him out and showed him a few properties. Anyway, he rang on the Thursday, said, I'm coming down. I said, look, I'm busy, but I've got another guy that'll go out and show you around those properties. And he's come back in on the Friday morning. And I said, well, you've been around with... He said, I've made my mind up. I said, which property are you going to buy? He said, the six of them. And he bought the whole six properties. And within 12 months, rebooked them with me, and we sold them again. Mm. So we sold another six properties at the one time. What were you looking at then? I mean, it's more than just being a good salesman. No, no, just you know, trying to make some money. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you're an honest sort of bloke. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All, my, all my clients were happy. They were lucky to be able to sell their place. Mm. Yeah, and this fellow bought the whole six of them. So. And, Jeff, you are contacting people in Victoria, New South Wales, Queensland yeah. all the time. You must have done a lot of kilometres. I did a lot, yeah. How far would you drive a year? No, I was doing up to about 135,000 miles. A year. On my own too, a lot of times. No trouble at all. I was, I was getting a new car every year. Tell me about the time when you went to the Northern Territory to buy cattle. Yeah, it's, a, it's a long, long, long way and, and went out of this property and we bought cattle off the... Off the and that was the first lot of cattle ever to be sold on the property. In those days, the, the, the Aboriginals were there working and they were doing the mustering, bring the cattle in and we, we had a great time with, with them. But then... Whitlam turned up, and he said, "Oh, we'll give you more. We'll give you more money." Mm-hmm. And they, thought, they all went to town and got in the grog. Before that, the, the kids were getting taught at school on the properties and and really going well. And as soon as they they changed it, bang, they, they all went to town, and that was it. Then hopeless. How do you feel about that? I was very cranky over it. They're really cranky because yeah, they was just a waste of time. They're good stockmen, though. Oh, they're really good stockmen. Yeah, I, I actually I t- took took a photo there, and back in those days, which was you very, very rarely had a f- photo, so I've gone onto the property, and the, and the Aboriginal guy said, "Could you take a photo of me?" So we're going to give put on a horse. Yeah, we did that. The only thing was that he went out, and there was about eleven hundred head of cattle in the yard, and he, then he realised that he, he's out in amongst them, and he went from black to white. <laughs> 
And I took the photo of him, yeah. and I couldn't believe it. Yeah, yeah. it was unreal. Yeah, but you got on really well with the stockmen. Oh, I loved them, yeah, yeah. We had a great time, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Did you spend a fair bit of time in the Territory over the years? Yeah, a yeah, fair, fair bit of time, actually, yeah. yeah on the road? Yeah, on the road. What were the properties like in those days? Because... Well, Large, very large properties. You know, one of the, the one of the big problems was with a lot of the, the guys there was getting the cattle into the uh, yards, drafting, and getting them on a truck and then sending them. And you had, because you had no grass or anything like that to pay them, and the quicker you got them, the better off the, the cattle were. And so they went by truck and they'd go down to South Australia, those yeah, cattle? Whatever. yeah. yeah. Was it pretty rough country in those days? No, no, it was a good, good country, but it, it's such a large area. There's, there's areas that you go there, there probably wouldn't have been anybody in, in there for 20 years or something. Like, you know, it's, it's such a large area. And so the cattle would have been pretty wild? Yeah, they were pretty wild, yeah. Once we kept mustering them and bringing them in and handling them, they quieted them down a fair bit, yeah. So you were always out in the uh, in the paddock, mustering and working with the stock. Yeah, yeah. I was in charge of the, the all the all the guys. I'd tell them what to do. We had probably about ten or twelve guys on motorbikes, uh, two ultralights, uh, helicopters, planes. So we did muster, and I'd be there in charge of what which way to go and which way to approach it. And some of the things I saw. I've gone down one day and I said to one of the boys, give me a motorbike, I want to find out what this fellow's doing down in the chopper with a mob of cattle. Here he was, and he's, he's trying to get a bull, a wild bull out of a, under a tree, and he's hitting the tree with his chopper blades, trying to <laughs> frighten the bull, bull outside. I said, what in the hell are you doing? I said, you get out of there, and you get bloody killed, like... Did you have two ways to talk to the blokes in the chopper? Or oh, was yeah, that... yeah, my word, that, yeah, two ways all the time, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Then I had another guy, he, he was in ultralight, and he's come down to land, and he's a big man, and he's come down, and he, the next thing I heard him say, holy hell, on the radio, and I I've, I've I've, I've drove straight out where he was, and what he'd done is come down and land like a, like a desert, but when he's got down there, here's a great big hole right through the same where the water had run through, and he, 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 I reckon he lifted that ultralight up and <laughs> landed on the other side by about that far. Missed him by about a, a metre when he landed and it was hard getting him back in the ultralight, I can tell you. Did he want to go? No, 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 he didn't want to go. He was frightened the life out of him. When did you meet your wife, Gillian? When did I? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I can't remember. When, uh, when she was 19. And how old were you? 23. Were you besotted by her? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course I was. Still am. <laughs> what appealed to you about her? Oh, well, she was easy to talk to and, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was good. And where did you get married? The casino. Mm. How, how many kids did you have? Uh, too many. <laughs> well, there was Beth and Regina, Heath and Marty. Yeah. Four. Gillian, how did you meet Jeff? I was going to a party for my friend who was the Miss Australia Quest entrant for the year and I spotted his head. I saw him in the bar and then next thing he was right beside me and I thought, cheeky, cheeky. And he was saying, oh, are you going to Alison's party? I said, yes. He said, I might see you there. I said, OK. And then he walked in with another girl. <laughs> what was your reaction to that? I thought, bugger you. 
<laughs> so that could have ended a, a relationship, but it hasn't, and you seem yeah, to have been did. married for many, many years. Yeah. Well, he took her home, mm-hmm. and then I found out when he came back to talk to me that she was his sister's best friend who had just been up for the night. <clears throat> she wanted to come and... and I, so he was, he was gone and back and right beside me again. Jeff's not listening. What appealed to you about him? A little quirky. Definitely the solid man. Then there's that little... that he could just be a lot of fun. He's very hard-working. Yes, he is very hard. He actually still pushes himself. I don't believe the lawn should be mowed all in one day. You got married when you were quite young? Well, it wasn't quite young to me. (laughs) Halfway through to 22... And you moved straight to Moorlumbar? Straight to Moorlumbar. It was good because Jeff had already been in Moorlumbar for six months. He'd been over there getting the business going. There was no actual office. That was finally done after we got there. Yeah, he was just working. I think he was staying in the pub and there was another guy working with him as well. There was two of them. And, yeah, so that was... My dad was worried one stage. He said, do you think this guy's going to turn up and marry you? I said, yeah, he's just working hard, Dad. You know, he said, well, he, he never rings you. I said, well, he hasn't got his own phone. He'd have to use the phone at the pub, but he doesn't want anybody in, listening in. I said, it's fine, he'll be here. <laughs> and that's how it was. He was travelling everywhere? Yep. Yep, he did. Even when I was having the babies, he, he was like, she'll be right. You're listening to Postcards from the Bush with Robin McConkie. Life on the land can be tough, but the people who live there choose to live where they live. And there is a sense of community you won't find in the city. And Jeff, you're a good mate of Doug Anthony, the um, National Party yes, leader. Certainly, yeah, yeah, they're a real good mate of Doug's. He had a lot, lot, lot of energy from me because I'd be able to tell him what was going on in the properties out where there's problems or whether it was good times or bad times. And yeah, I was talking to the people and knew what, exactly what was getting yeah. Whereas they were stuck in Parliament House, they didn't get much information, did they? You were telling me you had a hotline to Canberra. Yeah, I had a, <laughs> a red telephone. <laughs> a red, red phone, yeah. Tell me about the red phone. How did you get it? Yeah. I had a ring tel- Telstra and. They said, oh, we can't have it for three months. And Doug, I rang Doug back and he said, right, you've got it tomorrow. Mm. And then they added on. And well, there, there's another thing that happened there too. With I bought a, a full trainload of cattle, full trainload of cattle, at, at, um, and loading them at Goulburn, around the Canberra area, all around there, on a full train. And then I said to the, the, the bloke in the train station, now I'm bringing the cattle in tomorrow. They're right. Yeah, no, you'll be right. You're right. When I got the cattle in, the trucks started to arrive. The bloke said, "Mate, we're, we're going on strike. The train's on strike. You won't be able to shift your cattle." I said, "I can't buy any grain or hay. Can't buy anything like that. What am I going to feed them on?" So I rang Doug. The train moved out the next morning. It was the only train in New South Wales to operate. Doug arranged for it to be operated because of the fact that there was a real problem and they shifted and there was only, only train that moved in the whole of New South Wales the next day. 
Well, it's, it's fantastic for you, but it's even better for the cattle. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, we'd, we'd have lost cattle. That's how bad it was. And no, no feed, no nothing, like, you know. Do you have any idea why the train people were on strike? No, this was they were idiots. That's a way of putting it. I, gra- I, I actually grabbed this fella when I walked in, because I checked with him the day before. No, no, you're just right. And when I w- walked in here, he's reading the paper, so I just grabbed hold of his newspaper and ripped it in half, pinned him up against the wall. I said, you told me it was going to be all right. And he's trying to apologise, and I'm saying, don't apologise to me. I, I had a fair bit to do with Doug, and, yeah, I've, I've been to the uh, Parliament House a couple, two or three times, actually, but, yeah, and enjoyed every minute of it to, to go down and see what goes on. But I think it's cho- totally changed today. I don't think we're getting the, the, the whole lot of them. Doesn't seem to be able to do anything that makes any common sense. What was it about Doug Anthony and what he was trying to do that you really appreciated? Well, he, he would listen to you and, and, and try and sort it out and, and, and take advantage of what, you, you told, what I told him because he knew it was probably the right information. In the mid-70s, I think this is about around about the time when cattle prices ab- had absolutely collapsed. Yeah, absolutely fallen away. And I, I rang Doug and I said, look, you know, there's people starving, absolutely starving. They haven't got food, you know, money to buy food. With Anyway, he organised that they, they all got a, a certain amount of payment. And sort of like household support. Yeah, household support, that's what it was. And what were you doing at that time when the cattle prices were at rock bottom in the mid-70s? Because I think Britain had joined the EU, cattle numbers were high in Australia and the price just fell away. Yeah, I, I, I kept operating. Yeah, I kept enjoying it. And doing the, you know, I kept on the real estate part of it and did things like that. So Doug Anthony was good mate? Real good mate, yeah. What was the best year that you ever had buying and trading cattle? No, I probably had it a couple of years there. Yeah, I was buying a lot of cattle and, and selling a lot of cattle and making pretty big money too, like, you know. I think I said to you that once I was a game, I bought that $810,000 worth of cattle and I cleared $40,000 in a week. So after all the expenses. Are you an absolute risk taker? No way in the world. <laughs> Common sense. <laughs> An informed gambler? Yeah, informed. Yeah, told about it. Yeah. I told you, they, they told me that the cattle market was going to fall over. I believed it. Nobody else did. One of the Martin Watt worked for Kidman, putting their dams in, the bulldozers and that. And he also owned property of Moolambar, which I used to look after. And he'd come home at Christmas time and said, you know, they're going to work out at Kidman's uh, property all over Christmas, getting rid of the cattle, because the cattle market's going to fall. America's going to pull out of the, the market, of which I took time to work out that they were, they were right. And turned out they were right. And I sold all my cattle, which I was lucky enough to do. You've got to watch, be watching the market, reading the market. Oh, you've got to watch it all the time and know exactly what's going on. Jill was saying things were pretty tough in Mwillenbark. Yeah, they were, yeah. The, the, the drug problem was there, yeah, real, real bad. And you decided, the two of you, just to yeah. sell up shop? Yeah, they'd shut up shop and get out of there. It wasn't the right place to be rearing kids. So that's in the late 70s? Yes. Yeah, that was real, got real bad up, up around the mountains and that. And that's that it's said to you that, that the hippies that were, were good, but then they got into the drug system too and it, it got really bad out there in Nimbin. Yeah, really bad. 
So you just leased your agency, got into yes. real estate and moved to Toowoomba? Yes. Was it a good move? Yeah, it was a really good move. Got into different things there. and. What sort of things did you get into, Jeff? I got into the feedlot business, um, which just started out in the feedlot business. Mm. And I got into it and in a small way and finished up in a big way. So. So where did you buy cattle from to go into the feedlot? What, what age did you buy them? Or what weight? Oh, well, uh, mostly around about, oh, about 12 to 14 months. And then I put them in the feedlot and, and started making money out of that. And how long would you have them on feed for? Uh, around about 70 to 80 days. It, it's a narrow margin, though, in the feedlot, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it is, yeah. But, but then I, I started buying cattle for other bigger uh, feedlots. Uh, one, one crowd there was buying 400 a week for them, which is you know, a lot of cattle and a lot of money. You love working? Oh, yeah, love working, yeah. Yeah, love, love it. Kept me, yeah, kept me going, kept me honest. I don't know how many houses, problems we've had. We've had, yeah, three, twelve or one stage of the game. Uh, beautiful home at uh, Coffs Harbour. Absolutely beautiful home there. Right overlooking the water, 200 yards down to the beach. A magnificent home, five-bedroom, swimming pool, the whole lot. And we sold it for that way. That's way back. We sold it for over a million dollars then. You had a lot of people who approached you at times when they were difficulty, in difficulty, especially with the banks. Tell me the story about Bill Parkinson. Well, Bill Parkinson come to, me, come to the cattle sale there one day and t- asked me, could he have a talk with me? And I said, look, I'm busy buying cattle and um, I'll ring you tonight. So I did. And he wanted to see me, so I said, well, I'll come out to your property the next day and had a talk to him. And he explained to him that the bank will have foreclosed on his, all his properties in six months, so he couldn't straighten himself up. I think he had five properties. Yeah, well, he had, he had one at Gundawindi, this side of Gundawindi, the others on the, all on the Barku River, it was four, and the other one in Toowoomba. Why was the bank going to foreclose? He wasn't making any money out of it. He wasn't, he was, his debt was building up, he wasn't making any money. And so what did you do? You went out and had a look. You said you'd help him. What did you do? Well, I went out and I started selling the cattle that, that needed selling and buying other cattle in. So we, we, we got big amounts of money from selling the cattle and then putting better cattle in at a lot cheaper price so we could finish up the more cattle. Jeff, what was the problem that he had out at the, uh, on the Barcoo? Well, his, his son-in-law was running it and didn't know what he was doing. What was wrong with the cattle? They, 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 there was a disease with the, some of the, their bulls, which I, I worked out. Yeah, they didn't have the calves. They didn't. Nothing was getting bred. Anyway, we, we sorted it all out. Jeff, what was involved in mustering on five properties? I'd have about ten fellows on motorbikes. I'd have two ultralights, two helicopters, and and and, and Bill and his own planes. They could see from the air what was going on. Sounds like a military operation. It was a big, big, big operation there. We were mustering up to 100, yeah, 1,800, 2,000 head of cattle at a time. It was a pretty big, pretty big job. So where did you bring them to and what did, where did you sell them? Well, we moved, I brought a lot of them back, back down to here, back down to uh, Dolby, Toowoomba, all over the place. How many head did you sell, end up selling off? Oh, we sold a lot of cattle at different times and then we kept buying in other cattle. So you did this over a six-year period, you are working with Bill? Yeah, over a six-year period and got him 
right out of all sorts of trouble. They said he finished up selling out for $17 million. I hope you got a tidy profit out of it. <laughs> and were you involved at all in the BTEC program, the brucellosis tuberculosis eradication campaign? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 that feedlot I set up down here, and we handled the cattle coming out of Darwin. There was only other one, one other big abattoir that was handling it, and I, I started out because I'm on home property, and the next thing I've got 4,000 4, head of cattle there. They've been tested. They had to be eradicated. What sort of pressure did the BTEC program put on the cattle uh, industry? They put a lot of pressure on them. The, the feedlot I had was, uh, apart from the one at Beef City, which is Beef City here at Toowoomba, which is a real big one, um, and they got full. And I, I, I took over from them, and was, the trucks were turning up because the only place that they could get, get was in on my place. Why could you do it at your property? Because I, I didn't have any other cattle on the property and I had boundary fences so that the cattle couldn't get out and things like that, and they checked, they checked all that. It went on for years, the BTEC program, yeah, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I did the 12 months every day, carting water and uh, unbelievable. Did you have many people helping you on the, uh, on uh, the uh, feedlot? Only one, one, one guy in the end. One guy, and yeah. at times you had thousands of cattle on the yeah, property? Yeah, handling a lot of them. I was getting six hours of sleep. That was it. Yeah. Was the program worth it, do you think? No, I like got paid big money. I was getting you know, paid even for those days because that was when the interest rates were 24%. So when the interest rates got high, what, what role did you play? We, I mean, you obviously had clients or you were working. Well, I hadn't been to the bank for 12 months and I've gone into the bank manager and he was a guy from uh, down south. He's got the, the previous bank manager I got on really well with and this guy, I've never seen him before. And I said, I've come in to fix up you know, about my account. And I had an overdraft of $20,000, which I owed $10,000. I said, I've come in to fix it all up. I haven't had time to be able to do it. And uh, he said, well, as a matter of fact, he said, I've, I've froze your account because we can't find the deeds of your property. And I said, well, you won't find those because I've got the deeds. I, I don't owe any money on the property. I said, all I owe is $10,000. And if you have a look at this account here... I had another account and I had $300,000 sitting in it. And he said, oh, we'll, 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 we'll get you we'll get you good, good interest rate for that and all that. I said, you have all my money, everything ready for me tomorrow morning, I'll be here. And I said, I'm leaving you guys. You've done the wrong thing by me. And I did. And about two weeks later, he turned up at the cattle sale. I was out at the um, Oakey sale yards. And I said to the auctioneer, I was buying cattle there, and I said... Uh, can I just say, for a minute, say a few things for you? Yeah, Jeff, say what you want. I said, see these two guys walking in here? I said, they're from the National Bank. And they're coming out here to screw some poor bastard about the price of cattle. <laughs> You've never seen two fellas leave town so quick in your life. <laughs> You're a pretty brave man. Oh, yeah. That boy said, yeah, all my mates are crapping and going on. and there Jeff, you sound like you had a pretty seriously big operation running there. It was a big operation, yeah, yeah. You also, in the 90s, you've been really involved in opening up the Japanese beef trade for Australia. What was involved there? The elders approached the, the job. They, they, they had the, the market and they couldn't get, find enough cattle. Anyway, they contacted me and I found the cattle for them and bought the cattle 
and got them out of, out of trouble because they had the, the boat was ready to, to go and they were 180 head short. So I finished up. Then they, they, they gave me the job of buying rest of their cattle from, from then on for another four or five years. And I, I'd, supply the, I'd, I'd buy the cattle for them, put the mob together and away we went. Why could you do it and no one else could? Well, they just didn't know, they hadn't been around like I'd been around. I knew where the cattle were and what, what, where the, what area to find them in. Um, whereas you've got a lot of these people that were just stuck in one little branch they don't know yeah, what's, what's on the other side of the hill. Jeff, you sound like you had a pretty seriously big operation running there. It was a big operation, yeah. yeah. At one stage of the game, I was, I was to, uh, for the single guy, I was handling most cattle of anybody in Australia. They, they told me that. So you went everywhere? Yeah, went everywhere. you really got a smile on your face about your life as a stockman. No, it was. I enjoyed every minute of it. And, uh, you know, it's the sort of work that I, I love, love doing. Like, yeah. you know, the only thing that was wrong, that we, the one, one area there, we had a real bad bull in, in, the, in the paddy in, in this one property, and we'd missed him a couple of times, and every time we went in to muster, he'd clear out with more cattle. So I said to the boys, we've got him in close to the yards and that, and I said, listen, I'll, I'll go in and I'll shut the gate when we, we've got this fella in the, in the pen. So I did, and when I got to the gate... Shut it. The cattle, we'd put a big mob of cattle in, they'd, open, they'd push the gates open wider, and I couldn't lock it. And the bulls turned around, and he's come straight back out, knocking cows left, right, and centre, hit the gate, it hit me, threw me over on my back, and him on top of it, and uh, away he goes. So I've got the gate up off me, I go back on my four wheel drive. Followed him straight out along the back and, and pulled my rifle out and shot him. I got even, even, bang, shot him. Have you got a bit of a temper there, yeah, Jeff? I, a real bit of temper. Yeah, I come home and um, I drove home, live another k home next morning, or well, during that night next morning, and uh, I couldn't work for about three months because he, he hurt me all my neck and shoulder. Yeah, so I, but I got even. I shot him. A determined cattleman. Yeah, determined. I was real determined, determined to get him because he was creating a lot of problems with the, when we were mustering the cattle. He'd clear out with the cows and that, and the cows would follow him, and, and we wouldn't get them in. Jeff, what are you thinking about when you, you've been injured by a, a rogue bull, yeah. you've shot the rogue bull, yeah. and you're driving 1,100 kilometres yeah. home to your wife and four yeah. kids? What are you thinking? I want to get home. <laughs> <laughs> And when did you decide to just give up life on um, running the agricultural businesses and move into motels? Into motels. That was, um, he got hurt up Albilba, up north. He had a bull hit a gate. The bull and the gate crashed on top of Jeffy. He drove home. Now, that's a, that's a 10-hour drive. And he very gingerly got into the bed and said, don't touch me. Don't touch me, I'm in pain. Then we had a look at him the next morning and he was just black and blue and he should never have driven home. He should never have done what he did. And about six weeks later, we noticed his left arm shriveling. Mm-hmm. And I had given up work, semi-retired. <laughs> I went, oh, i got to go back to work. <laughs> I thought, oh, and it took quite some months. He had to go and get... They actually said his neck was compacted. 
and they had to stretch it. They had a thing on his head. He said it was like a bucket at the back and it had two packs of butter in it, the weights to comp- to stretch his neck. Then the arms started coming back. And so it was at that point you said, yep. we've got to change. Yep, yep. That's time, yeah. Was it a hard decision to make? No. Well, I'd already, you know, stopped working. I did go back for a while until, you know, we sort of got kept on our feet. We didn't want to go backwards, but we still had to sell the house at Withcott and we still had three rental properties in Toowoomba at that stage. So it was just getting... And then in amongst that, Jeff's mum passed away. So in amongst all that with some... And how did the idea of motels pop up? It was his idea. I couldn't believe it. I really did. I laughed. Well, when I stopped laughing, I just said, well, first rule was going to be you're not going to the pub in the afternoon, which he used to always do with Cot because he walked up and walked back. Mm. I said, you're not going to any cattle sales because you're going to get involved with cattle again. And, you know, you're going to work just as hard as me because it's going to be hard work. So there was an agreement? Right then, there. <laughs> and that's how it started. We bought this one in um, Goulburn and it was, uh, it, it was 32 rooms. We had a 300-seating accommodation in the, in the restaurant. And we had the biggest uh, steakhouse probably in Australia. We had um, our biggest steak there is 1.4 kilos. We used to get them coming from Sydney down across uh, to Goulburn to have a steak and go back home that night. They'd come down from all right. Uh, and Canberra used to come across. Well, we'd sold a lot of steak. And if you didn't book in there within oh, a week, you wouldn't get a, get a table. That's how busy we were there in the, in the restaurant. You've got, a, you've got a smile on your face when you talk about that. It's so different from being in the cattle industry. What did you like about being a motelier? Making money. <laughs> That's the universal thing with you, Jeff. Yeah, we made big money. Yeah, unreal. Way back in those days there, we were making over 300-odd thousand a year, so it was big money. What's the secret to making money? Buy the right, right thing. To sell at a good price. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Which we did there, and then then we bought the the one in Gibby. We did the same thing there. Bought it for you know, not much money, and, and yeah, we won the award for the most improved motel in Queensland. Yeah, spent money on it, did it up. Next thing we got all the people there wanting to stay there. So you've got to give a bit of credit to Gillian in yeah, all yeah, of this. Yeah, yeah, love them. She's very good in the book book side of it too. The handling of the yeah the bookings and things like that. Yeah, it's great. Does she keep you on the straight and narrow? Oh, all the time, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't work all the time, but most of the time. What would your advice to your children and your grandkids be? Use your brains to work things out before you go rushing into it. Don't rush into it too much. Work out what, how you're going to approach it and whether you can afford to approach it. Jeff Lehman, thank you for your time today. You've been listening to Postcards from the Bush with Robin McConkie. Subscribe on your favourite podcast app and leave me a review. Music was composed and presented by Luke Aidney. (laughs) 